Welcome to Detour to Neverland, your guide to living your best Disney life through your hobby or business. Here's your hosts, Brendan and Catherine. Welcome back to Detour to Neverland. Today is episode number 175. We're almost to 200. Which is really crazy. It's super exciting to be at 175. I do feel like it's a it's a milestone for us. It is a milestone. It's been a blur. I don't feel like we've created that many episodes, but here we are. Here we are. It's exciting. Yeah. So we thank you guys for joining us on that journey. For sure. And before we share our interview for today, which we're really excited about, we wanted to just share some kind of housekeeping things just to remind you. On Wednesday, we are dropping more new episodes. And right now we've been doing what we call our storytelling series, where we look at the storytelling behind some of our favorite Disney attractions. And it's been a lot of fun for us to research and just discuss with each other. This Wednesday, our storytelling episode is all about the Radiator Springs Racers in DCA. So that'll be fun. Yeah, it should be a lot of fun. I really enjoy putting those together. I agree. The other thing that we have going on is we anticipated that we would be able to sign up for the virtual run series for Run Disney uh, for this summer. Obviously, that has been put on hold for now, but we did go ahead and create our virtual run club. And it's still been a lot of fun without having the virtual runs to lean on. We've had people going on runs, sharing their routes, sharing their training, things that have come across, and also keeping up to date on when those virtual runs might become available. So would love to have you join us over there. The link to join our that Facebook group is in the show notes below, or you can search for the Neverland Outcast Virtual Run Club. It's a mouthful. It is. But the good thing is, even if you're not a runner, you can join. Maybe you just like to walk. Um, something that's really fun in our neighborhood. I know this has not a lot to do with the run club, but there's just like a walking club going on. So if you're not a runner, but you just want to get outside, you could walk and just share that with us. Maybe tell us something that you saw or something that you thought about or whatever. It'll It's just a nice way to connect. Yeah, for sure. So today's episode is one that we are so excited about. It's with our friends, Robert and Thomas from the Talking Llamas podcast. One of the best names of a podcast that I've ever heard. So they have that going for them. We talk a lot about how do you develop your style? How do you get something off the ground from idea to conception? So just so many nuggets of value that I think will be helpful for you guys as you learn more about the Talking Llamas podcast. So without further ado, we'll go ahead and play that episode or that interview, of course, as always. They will start by telling you a random fact that you may not know about them from social media. So hope you enjoy. Hope you tune in on Wednesday. Okay. Well, uh, my name is Robert Camozzi. Um, I have been going to Disney for a, a really long time, you know, started out with this sort of normal every three to five years going on a trip and with family and that sort of thing. Um, my Disney the love I have for Disney really started to evolve in middle school and Thomas and I both experienced this. We joined the middle school band and a large reason why I joined it is because our band in middle school marched down main street. Um, 
every year and we would play several songs. Um, I believe it was the Mickey Mouse March, Supercalifragilisticexpialidocious, and It's a Small World. So from there, I, you know, that- Oh, and Be Our Guest as well. Oh, we did Be Our Guest too. Yeah. So um, we would play those songs down on Main Street and then we'd have like three days in the parks just to ourselves. And, you know, we had to check in with a a parent um, or or a chaperone and we'd be with a group of of friends. But it was the first time I had really experienced Disney in that way. Um, And then in later years, I got an annual pass. I went with one of my good friends, Dan. um, And then Thomas and I kind of, uh, you know, we were going to the same college at the time. And I told him, I said, you know, I have an annual pass. We could just head on down there. Um, I can go anytime. So when our school ended that semester, we went down to Disney and we, you know, we did the parks just he and I as adults. Um, I think we were 18 at the time. And then since then, my, my daughter's been born and she's six now and she's gone, she's gone to a Disney park, be it Disneyland or Disney world. I think it's 12 times now. Um, and she's just turned seven actually, um, a couple of weeks ago. So she's been quite a few times and that's changed my Disney experience too. And that's because when you have a kid, you know, this is just a general rule for having children, but you know, they see things through different eyes. And so it's allowed me to see Disney through different eyes, which has been great. Okay. And uh, for me, uh, yeah, we've had very parallel uh, Disney stories, but uh, I think you mentioned a random fact about, about us. And for me, that would, that would be, it's not, you know, crazy, but it is something that I think a lot of people don't like. And that is I actually enjoy public transportation or long flights or commuting because, and this is tying to Disney, I can actually, you know, listen to music or podcasts. Like I, I try to embrace those kinds of situations. And in terms of Disney, that's one way that my interest in Disney has evolved over time. You know, obviously you start with parks and movies, but for me, it's, it's transitioned into, you know, really liking the music for the music, but also the history for the history. And so that's where you can really take advantage of some downtime like that when you're traveling somewhere to go do something. And one part of my Disney story, as long as we're on that subject, is having begun a few years back in 2016, volunteering at the Walt Disney Family Museum in San Francisco. And we live about maybe 45 minutes away uh, or so, maybe an hour with public transportation. So that that's one of those ways that I really uh, came to know that I actually like having the opportunity on public transportation or commuting to uh yeah to listen music podcasts whatever it seems like a really great like meditation time where you can really dive into those things that it's not an active activity like driving where i listen to podcasts when i'm driving but Mm -hmm. you can't like jump around that is one thing where we live in nashville our public transportation is so bad i took the train non-existent i took the train one day and never again Oh, wow. Would you like to tell them why you never rode the train again? (laughs) Well, there's multiple reasons. One is I took it to avoid traffic. It dropped me off in downtown Nashville, and I worked in just one of the little neighborhoods. And the bus to get over there was the same traffic that I sat in as my car. Hmm. So that was pointless. And then coming back, I had a coworker offer to drop me off at the train station and then he proceeded to drop me off at the wrong train station. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, that's so, a traumatic experience for sure. He had to walk like two miles <laughs> to get to the real train station. Yeah, it was so, ridiculous. It was hilarious. But anyway, I think that is a great groundwork. And the bands walking through Main Street and being able to perform that as a child or a young adult, I feel like we've had that mentioned multiple times on the show that people mm-hmm. really connect with that. Was it just the allure of walking down Main Street or was it the opportunity to see backstage areas and see how our production is put on from their standpoint? You know, it's funny. It's now it's I look back on it and I say, wow, what a great opportunity that was and what a great thing we got to do. Um, but if I'm being honest, when I was 12, I just wanted to go to the parks like I wanted an extra trip and um I just wanted to be able to go. My parents weren't always willing to go. So um, back then it was for that. But now when I look back on it, I was thinking about this last night, that was a great experience and something that you can't really recreate and an an opportunity that only comes once in a lifetime. And I was really lucky to have it. So at the time, just a trip, but now the ability to have walked down Main Street and performed is something that I really cherish that memory. That's right. Yeah, there was. It's interesting because for us, it was more of a social thing rather than the performance aspect. You know, you get to go with your friends down to uh, Disneyland on a few day trip. You miss school and you get to perform as well. But you're really mostly in the parks apart from that. What few hours that you have to leave aside for the the performance Uh, for me, you know, one of our favorite rides together is Splash Mountain with my friends on that trip, I was able to go on it for the first time because prior to that, I was scared of the drop. And so things like that are the the, the, uh, the memories that stick with me and make it a more meaningful experience overall. And it was cool, though, because we did get to go, what, behind Toontown? Well, we, we did it twice, and I think we entered through different areas each time, but one of them yeah. was definitely through through Toontown. I think the other was through Frontierland we went through, mm, like the yeah. backstage area. Mm. So it was very cool. Yeah. I feel like if I was in middle school, that would definitely be motivation to learn to play an instrument. I was definitely not motivated to do anything like that. You could have been ever. part of the color guard. Yeah, they got to go too. Oh, yeah. That's, yeah, that's maybe more my speed. <laughs> well, I mean, awesome. I, I don't remember the instrument I learned to be clear. So it's not like I, <laughs> it's not like I had motivation to continue. That's true. <laughs> so you guys have a long history together. Have you been friends since middle school or did you just kind of like pick up in college again? Yeah. So he, um, we lived uh, literally like around the corner from each other our entire lives. Um, from the, from the day we were born, like three days apart, four days apart. Um, mm-hmm. and then, uh, you know, we've lived close to each other ever since then, basically. And then we went to the same elementary school, which was really close. Um, and we, you know, were in the same grades and all of that. We didn't have any classes together until, um, really until band, but we knew of each other. And then we became friends in band. Um, and then I moved a couple towns over and we stayed in touch, um, kind of vaguely. Um, you know, we were both busy with high school, but then when college came, uh, we sort of rekindled everything in a, a speech and debate class we actually had. So, were you on opposing sides? <laughs> um, I, you know, 
a debate. I, a, I might have been inaccurate in saying debate class. I think it was just a speech <laughs> class. Yeah, um, just speech. Yeah. Well, Robert took it as debate. He was challenging people <laughs> in the class. That's what exactly. it sounds like. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> well, that makes sense. So take us to the moment that the Talking Llamas podcast was born. What sparked the idea? What conversations took place to get it off the ground? And kind of what were the early steps that you took to start getting it into production? Well, let me let me just start real quick um, with... I was kind of, I listened to podcasts a lot in my later high school years. And then I had a job early on out of high school where I was driving a truck. So I, I listened to podcasts a lot. And so I always kind of wanted to get into podcasting somehow. I, I didn't really have an idea of how I wanted to do that. Um, but then I, I really got into Disney and I started having conversations with people about Disney a lot. And I'd have conversations with Thomas but everyone else I had conversations with somewhere in between like not interested at all and interested to a point where they just petered out. The conversations would peter out. And I actually went to a family event and one of my fam my close family members was like, Hey, you know, you spent the entire time talking about Disney. I'm not sure everyone was interested. Like someone actually pulled me aside and told me to, to chill out. <laughs> so, you know, I, I started listening to Disney podcast because of that. And, uh, the Imagineer podcast is one that kind of got me into it with, with, uh, with Matt, I listened to you guys, listened to a few others. And, uh, that got me into the idea of just creating an Instagram where I just posted Disney, just talked about Disney. And so I would post Disney pictures and that sort of thing. And I also started blogging and that's that sort of thing. And, and I said, you know, maybe I'll do a podcast eventually, but I wrote down all these, it's kind of funny now. I wrote down all these like things, these benchmarks I needed to reach uh, that were like, okay, I need to have this, you know, this done and this many blog posts and this many photos uploaded or whatever. But then eventually I think I just went to Thomas and said, we should just do this like and stop talking about it. I don't really want to wait anymore. And that's when we started it. And Thomas can kind of pick up there what that was like for him. For me, it was, I was almost caught off guard with the podcast part. I knew he had the Instagram account, which was interesting to me, uh, having at that time, zero social media. But uh, it, when he came with the podcast idea, um, you know, I'd been listening to podcasts as well, many different kinds. And so I, I always thought it'd be fun to try it out. It, no matter what the topic really was, it didn't, it didn't matter. I thought it'd be fun. But Disney is something that, like Robert said, we would discuss normally very frequently. So it was easy to really you know, uh, jump on the idea that he presented of, of having the podcast. And yeah, so from there, it was just a matter of what are the, the logistics of getting it started. And I think Robert did most of that work and then picking out the name and all that. So Robert, when you like first thought about, okay, podcasting is something I don't want to get to. Was it always that you wanted to bring on a partner and was it just naturally that, you know, since you and Thomas talked about Disney so much that it just kind of made sense or did you think about venturing out on your own at first? Originally, it was sort of a thing where I would always be on and then I would bring other people in, family, friends. But Thomas and I, I can have conversations with Thomas no matter what, like even if we didn't have a topic for that week, we could turn on the mics and figure out something. Um, so it became pretty clear, pretty quickly that Thomas and I were going to do it together permanently. And 
he helps a lot with the technical side too. Uh, he does all the, you know, the editing in post and all that sort of thing. And I take on more of the social media, sometimes coming up with ideas for the show. Um, so it's a relationship where we're feeding off each other and each one of us has sort of a responsibility for the production of the show. So doing it alone, it, it became pretty clear pretty quickly that that wasn't going to be what we were going to do. So one thing that we definitely knew that we wanted to talk about today was the name. And you talked about, you knew you had to come up with a name. Where did it come from? Coming up with a name for anything we found out this quickly too is sort of a nightmare. Like it's like, you don't, first of all, there's a ton of Disney podcasts out there and there's a ton of names and we didn't really want to use Disney in the name. Uh, just, you know, we didn't, we didn't want to attach ourselves in that way to to disney we we wanted it to be separate but also uh uniquely disney so we bounced a bunch of ideas off each other for a couple days um a bunch of bad names a bunch of names that were okay but there were reasons why they weren't perfect and then thomas eventually came up with the name that we have now so you i mean you can tell them what how what inspired you well, yeah, we, I'll get to that in just a second, but we did start out with a couple of, of names that were really good, but they had Disney in the title. I kind of want to save them, so I'm not going to reveal them here because you never know when it's going to come back around. We used it uh, as a segment name or something. Who knows? Um, but yeah, so I was you know, scrambling in my mind to figure out what could be a good name. I actually think it's kind of fun to think of a unique name or something to a title for something that you've created. Um, so eventually I got to this point where one night I just went upstairs into my room and then it hit me talking, the phrase talking llama from the movie Emperor's New Groove just like came into my mind. And then I was playing with it. We could call ourselves the talking llamas. And we both love that movie, probably in our one of our... I think it's in both of our top three, maybe just in terms of our favorites. Um, and so then I ran it by Robert and eventually we got to an agreement that that was going to be our name. Yeah, that's solid. I mean, it's, it's always interesting to think about the naming process. I mean, we've talked about it on our show. I came up with Detour to Neverland way before we even thought about podcasting. Like, and I grabbed the domain name, not knowing what I would ever do with it, but that I just liked the idea and what it meant to us. So I think that's so interesting. And it is also a step that many people get stuck on. I feel like. Okay, yeah. Sure. Well, it could happen to us for sure. We, we felt that way at times. And I think it is interesting too, that it's, it has a Disney origin, but it doesn't, it's not like in your face Disney. It is very clever. And I appreciate that. Yeah. We get a lot of questions about it. Uh, like, why do you call yourselves that? And then we, we explained to some people, I think most people get it. Um, but there's a sort of loud minority of people who, um, are, are caught off guard by it, but yeah, we, we like it. Yeah. I mean, that's what matters most. Um, you know, really all it is, is just a way to search for you and a domain to look at you for, but the content is what really matters. So I want to talk about the content and how did you map that out? Is it something that you actively discussed to say, okay, here are the types of things that we'd like to cover? Or did you let that kind of naturally carve itself out where you could say, okay, we do a little bit of news, we do movie reviews, we do special topics and things like that? For me, it started out as a lot of games. I 
I would ask Thomas these like really bizarre questions on our way to Disney trips or like if we were driving down there or if we were in line for a ride, I would say something like if someone came to you, if, if like, I don't know, anybody came to you and said a Disney ride is going to be demolished and you don't know which one it's going to be, but you can protect one ride, which ride would it be? I would just say bizarre things like that randomly. So it started out as sort of, I want to play games. I want to do, we do this thing on our show where we do drafts, where we'll draft something. Um, and we draft a sort of team, I guess you could say. And we each, you know, it'll be Disney movies or Disney, I think we did Disney soundtracks or something. And uh, at the end of the game, we've each drafted a team of Disney soundtracks. And that was kind of where it started for me. And then as we started going, anniversaries would come up for our favorite rides or our favorite movies. And we said, you know, we should talk about this on the show. We should talk about uh, this movie or this ride and go into the history. And that's when we started looking into, you know, we'll read books or we did a Haunted Mansion episode, which I still think is one of our better ones. We did it really early on, but there's a lot of reading involved there. And, and that was fun. And that gives us a new appreciation for the ride. So it sort of evolved over time into us doing history, doing movie reviews while also playing the games that I had kind of originally intended the podcast to be for. Yeah, I mean, I think that's solid. And I think that is a great approach for sure. And, and I can say just from consuming it, that nothing feels forced. And I don't know if it ever feels that way on your end. I mean, I can speak to us. Sometimes we record an episode and the end, like that was a little forced. We weren't into it as much as we anticipated that we would be. So how does that process look of deciding what's going to be the topic for each week? You mentioned that you can just turn on the mics and you'll find something to talk about sometimes, but do you ever get stumped on a week or, you know, have to resort to anything else to, to make sure that you're getting something that you're interested in? We usually map out like, we have we didn't do this recently with everything kind of going on things changed but uh up until a couple weeks ago we had our episodes mapped out we tried to do like two to three months in advance and the reason we do that is in the beginning at least we were getting caught off guard with anniversaries which are just opportunities to talk about things and it's like a free episode for us where we don't have to use one of our ideas you know like for a game or a, a certain topic that can be used anytime like a draft of soundtracks, we could do that in two years. It doesn't need to be done today. But if, uh, you know, an anniversary for Splash Mountain or a movie comes up, you know, that only comes up every so often, a significant anniversary, like, a you know, a 50th or something like that. So we try to look at, okay, what anniversaries are coming up? What movies are coming out that we can talk about? And, uh, and then we'll fill in the gaps with other things like games or, uh, we've been talking about the Imagineer, Imagineering story and dedicating episodes to that. So we'll fill in the gaps between anniversaries or significant events with, or trip reports with games and uh, other things. Did you ever, or has it ever happened where like you missed an anniversary and you looked back and you're like, dang it. Like, this is why we plan things out. <laughs> Definitely. That happened. That actually, actually that happened really early on with Splash Mountain, which is one of our favorite rides. Um, and I don't think we did an episode on, in fact, I know we didn't. Um, that was kind of before we made the idea of it. We were like, we were like, oh man, we, we didn't talk about that at all. Um, so we'll have to wait for the next one, I guess. Yeah. Well, 
that means you're in it for the long haul. Yeah. And that <laughs> yeah. is a That's good cause. I think consistency is something that is often overlooked for content creators. Um, it is so easy to skip a week or, you know, start something and not be able to fall through with it. But correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure you guys have never missed a week of creating an episode. So have you found that difficult or is it just something that has come naturally? And do you have any advice for people who are having trouble finding that consistency? Well, uh, we have a unique situation in that we live in the same place, in the same apartment. So all we have to do really is pull out the microphones and dedicate an hour to it each week. So I don't know how much advice we could give in t for people who don't have access to e each other. I guess there is a way to do it, you know, as we are right now over the internet. Uh, but yeah, just, just to have a set time and day of the week that you're going to, you're going to you know, record the episode or do whatever it is that you're doing if it's videos. But also for us, uh, it's easier to, when we do an episode like a, you know, a Haunted Mansion episode. Yeah, we do some research, but we told ourselves that we, we'd want to be conversational so that we, we can have fun and not necessarily have to be 100% correct on everything that we, we say and try not to say incorrect things, but just have fun talking about the thing and celebrating it hopefully with some interesting facts included. So we, we relieve the pressure on ourselves a little bit there and therefore not forcing anything. And uh, if, if you have a lot of research to do on certain episodes, it can get in the way because, you know, you have a, a life outside of the podcast. There's also something to be said about just doing it and just saying, you know, things will come up. Like Thomas has left for, he left for a couple of weeks one time um, and we recorded episodes in advance to set up for that or, or if we go on a trip to uh, one of the parks, like we went to Disney World and we had to record episodes in advance to be released when we were in Disney World. So there's something to be said too about planning. Uh, we don't like to plan too much, but we also are, we also do plan. So, you know, in episode, we try to leave some room for, you know, talking and, and going off script, so to speak, and having fun, because that's sort of just how we are. But as far as creating individual episodes, we're pretty, we want to make sure we're on top of things. So, you know, I know if Thomas has a trip coming up, we need to record earlier, or we need to record multiple episodes in a week or, or whatever, so that we can keep consistent. And, you know, people that listen to the show are expecting episodes on Tuesday. And uh, we want to make sure that we provide that. Yeah, and I think that value goes so much deeper than people realize of knowing that, okay, it's Tuesday, Talking Llamas is coming out with an episode, I can plan on my commute that I'm going to listen to this, and you can rely on that each and every week. I've said it so many times, and I really am convinced that longevity and consistency are the keys to real growth in content. I think that so many people give up way too early before a real audience has found a way to find you and had the opportunity to find you. So I think it is immensely important. I'm almost tempted to say it's the most important thing is to be consistent and to have a commitment to it long-term. Yeah, it's, it's served us well. And I, I think that, uh, you know, with other podcasts I listen to, if I expect an episode on a certain day, 
I mean, we all know podcasts that we listen to that are consistent and then some that aren't as consistent. And, um, that's, I, I still listen to most of those podcasts, but you never know if someone will just not check back. Um, if they, if you end up missing a week here or a week there, you might just, they might just stop checking if they're not subscribed or whatever. Yeah. I mean, I've done that. Like I listen to a lot of true crime podcasts and if they don't release when I expect them to, it's a, it's a very frustrating thing. Now that's a different kind of realm because they're telling a story and cases are going on or whatever you're trying to listen to. But I do think that people plan around those things more than they're willing to admit. Yeah. Or even more than they know you, you kind of just expect it to be there and you're able to play it. And then if you're not able to play it on your commute or whatever you use the podcast for, uh, suddenly you're left, you know, kind of wanting and and missing that. I was going to say, it made me think of all those long commutes and everything where that might be someone's only form of entertainment or like their only thing that keeps them awake while driving or whatever. And they might be missing that. Exactly. So talking long-term, since we're kind of on this subject, what you don't have to give all your plans away, (laughs) but I'm just interested, you know, have you talked about long-term goals, long-term plans? Would you want to make the podcasts drop two times a week? Or would you like to get into different mediums like video? Kind of what what are some of the ultimate goals and things that you'd like to work towards? Well, we actually talked about video today a little bit. And the the problem with that conversation is it always gets kind of uh, bogged down with, well, what would we take video of? And we don't live that close. We live close. But you know, unless we're going to be filming the entire time we're at the park, which we don't want to do, we're not going to have, we're not going to have video consistently the way we have audio. Uh, so that's kind of an issue and maybe that's not a problem, but it's not, it's also not something we've worked out yet. Aside from that, uh, I don't, I don't know if two times a week is something we are going to do. It's something that we do sometimes. Uh, we've done it actually recently, once a month, we've been releasing a a bonus episode, which has just been on one silly symphony episode, but they're only 20 minute episodes. So we usually just record them right after we record the, the main episode for that week. So it's not much of a commitment. Um, we've played with other things that we plan on doing, but we're, we're still trying to make sure we get this off the ground and get our feet underneath us. And then from there, I, I don't know, we, we might do video. We might do, we, we've tried blogging before and it, I don't think it's either of our strengths or, or something that we think we can do weekly. So the podcast has been sort of right in our lane and we are going to stick to that until, until we feel comfortable dipping our toe into something else. I don't know how you feel about that, Thomas. Well, the, yeah, the video is something I think, uh, just as you were speaking about it now, I have some ideas of what we could do or that we could be creative and figure out something to do around the apartment here. Cause we have a lot of resources and things, uh, that we could supplement the podcast with video in some capacity. Uh, but yeah, right now we're establishing the consistency that we've been speaking about, and then we can start to add on things that, uh, that we have the resources and time to devote to it. So Robert mentioned blogging. Yes, we honestly couldn't produce blogs of quality that were unique and, you know, different from the typical tips and tricks stuff you'll find online uh, to have a blog every week. It it just wasn't going to work out for now. That could change in the future. 
Yeah. And I think we've went through a similar evolution that you come up with these different ideas and you don't know if you're going to like it and you don't know if it's going to be sustainable until you try it. You know, we've tried blogging. It's something that we still say we're going to start like every week, but it's just something neither of us really want to sit down for an hour and write as much as we want to. Right. I think that is a great process that you're going through that all right, let's let's get the podcast in order. Let's make sure we have that rhythm down. Let's get our feet underneath us. And then we can explore these different opportunities. We've explored so many different things. We've <laughs> explored a newsletter. We've retried to record IGTV videos. We haven't done YouTube yet. I would love to. But again, it's one of those things. It's like, how do you know it's too much before you do it? Yeah, exactly. And I, I don't think that I, I, something I've been thinking about lately is, you know, we're really consistent with the podcast. Maybe we're boxing ourselves in a little bit by thinking we have to be that way with everything, but it's also just sort of how we operate. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, and it feels good to know, like, this is what we're committed to and we can produce this. That's been some of our lowest points, I would say, is when we overextend ourselves and we say, hey, we're going to come out with a new blog every week. And then we, if you don't follow through, it's really a exercise in, in mental stability, I feel like at that point, because you can get really down and let things get overwhelming. And that's not the point of any of this. The whole point of this is having fun, connecting with other like-minded people. So I think you guys have a great approach and, and we should probably be taking some notes <laughs> from that as well. But one thing I wanted to hit on before we play the fast pass around, and I think it's probably, you know, failures, if you want to call them that, or lessons that you've learned are kind of the easiest or the best way to grow. So can you think of one thing that you've learned throughout this process, maybe took you off guard or you didn't anticipate and that you've been able to overcome and be better for it? I think for me, Disney is something that I'm passionate about, but it's also not something I can just do every, like the blog, for example. I thought, oh, I can do a blog, I can do an Instagram page, and I can do the podcast, and then well, we'll get YouTube going. And I'm just, that's not all of those are my strengths. Uh, even like the Instagram page, sometimes I'll just like be, it'll be two in the afternoon. I'm like, oh man, I didn't post anything today. And uh, that'll happen, or because I'm just not really used to that before I had the, the podcast and the Instagram page, I didn't really post that much on social media. And so I think one thing I had to learn pretty quickly was even though I really am passionate about Disney, I still have to sort of play to my strengths. You know, there, you reach a point of diminishing returns where, you know, if you're doing a blog every month or whatever, every week, and it's not good, I mean, what's the point? Or if it's not your best work or, you know, you're, you're sort of stretching yourself a little thin, even though it's something you love, you should maybe concentrate on what parts of that you're strong at and funnel it all into those things. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. In, in terms of things stand out for you. Well, there aren't, I wouldn't call what we've experienced many failures, just yeah. Lessons learned about blogging specifically, but I guess thinking that we could do everything at once is uh, that's not going to go very far. And I think something I said to Robert, when I decided I wasn't going to write blogs anymore for the time being was let's do, let's do one thing. Well, the podcast, 
for now. And then we'll see what we can do after that. And so far that lesson has been, I don't know, I think that's a pretty good thing to keep with you. And I think there will be future lessons to come. Um, and, and the thing is to not be afraid of being humble and saying, okay, yeah, I made a mistake on this, this thing or that, and then just go forward and try to learn from it. Yeah, I think that's really great. And I, I think we've, like Brendan said, we've experienced similar things and it is very freeing to kind of take a step back and just say, you know, I don't have to do all these other things. You know, we can just focus on, like you said, what we are good at and we can reevaluate later. I think that's a great lesson that a lot of people learn, especially through content creation. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this First segment has been so much fun learning more about the Talking Llamas podcast, learning more about you as individuals as well. So enlightening for our listeners, I think, for people who want to go down similar paths and really niche in and find something that they're passionate about and find something that they like creating. So we will take a quick break, hear a message from our partners, and then we'll be back to play the Fast Pass round. This episode is brought to you by the Photo Reserve. With the recent park closures, we're in a situation where we don't have a lot of Disney photos left in our library, especially since we are spending more time on social media. And there is something about an eye-catching professional photo from the parks that can help you get the engagement or the interest in your content that you want. We highly recommend using photos from the photo reserve. You can get those professional photos for Pinterest, your blogs, any other social media platform. And if you want to see if the photo reserve can help you gain traffic, head to reportthemagic.com forward slash detour and receive a Pinterest guide and six completely free park photos. Again, that's reportthemagic.com forward slash detour, or you can hit the link in our show notes. Okay, so we're back. Are you guys ready? All right. All right. This first one is an easy one. It's just name the Disney parks that you have visited. So Disneyland, that's where we live closest to. So we go there all the time. And then we've each gone to Disney World and just done the four main parks, Epcot, Animal Kingdom, Magic Kingdom, and Hollywood Studios, not the water parks, though. So of all of those individual parks, which one is your favorite and why? Disneyland is, uh, I think, I think it's both of our favorites and yes, it is. Yeah. Yeah. That's the original. It's the one we know best. Um, I think Walt said, I, I saw this quote actually recently. He said, Disneyland is the star and everything else is in the supporting role. And that's how we feel about Disneyland. And it, we went to Disney world and came back to Disneyland a couple months after uh, the first time we went to Disney world and we love Disney world, but Disneyland just has a home feel to it for us. That makes sense. I can agree with that. I think we've been saying recently that if we're going on a trip, we prefer Disney World. But if there's one day in one park, it's Disneyland. Yeah. Yeah, that's a nice way of looking at it. But I think you've switched over to DCA recently, Catherine. I don't know. I really do love DCA. We've only been once, but it was amazing. <laughs> really? You've only been one time. It's it's picked up. Uh, when it first started... It was a little bit, you know, uh, I think the, the direction they were going with DCA was a bit off, but they've, I think they've found a groove and uh, they're going for it. And it looks, it looks like it's coming around and, and I really enjoy that park myself now. There needs to be a case study done on people who went to Hollywood Studios in the 90s and then went to DCA now 
Because I think that's what hit home for us so much because it felt like MGM Studios. Mm. Old school. Yeah. So, um, so next would be your Disney bucket list trip. Why don't you, why don't you go Thomas on this? Okay. Uh, this is, yeah, this is a fun question actually. Um, so being in California and, uh, having now been a volunteer at the museum, I would start my trip at the museum, uh, for a day or whatever, and then travel to stay somewhere near LA. And then that, that next day go to the, what is it? Uh, the Carrollwood barn in Griffith park. It's, it's got, uh, Walt Disney's old barn where he, uh, he had miniature trains and was probably the inspiration for, for Disneyland in large part. Um, and then after that, I would want to have a studios tour, Walt Disney studios tour. Um, and I would want that to include the archives and then go and stay at the Disneyland hotel for, I don't know, three to three to six days. Solid. I think for me, I would want to do, I I've recently thought about the idea of doing a split stay at Disney world actually. And, that would be staying, you know, at two different hotels on the same trip. So I'd want to stay two weeks and I, in one week I would want to stay at the Poly. The next week I'd want to stay at Animal Kingdom Lodge. And then each one of those, it, one day in each of those weeks, I'd want to dedicate one day just to sort of resort hop to different resorts. Uh, because that's one thing about Disney World that I really enjoy is that they, they have a bunch of different resorts and you can just go to them and experience the different things they have there. Uh, and they're, they're not, they're not quite like the parks, but they're an experience in of themselves. Yeah. Those are great choices. I I'm remiss that we didn't talk about it earlier when you mentioned it, Thomas, but the Walt Disney family museum is very, very high on our bucket list. Oh yeah. We have not had the chance to go there yet, but for our listeners, can you just give a brief overview of what it offers I know we talked to our friend Keith Gluck. Uh, I don't even know what episode number that was, but he talked about it quite a bit. But I think so many people love it and it's got so much great history there. Yeah, so this is, it's called the Walt Disney Family Museum and it focuses on, it focuses on Walt the person. And so it was created by, in, in part, uh, she spearheaded the creation of the museum, Walt's daughter, Diane Disney Miller. And she passed in what, 2013, I think, but the family was heavily involved and remains involved in the museum to some degree these days. Although Ron Miller, uh, Walt's son-in-law did pass away, I think last year, uh, but it's a great museum where you, if you're going to go and it sounds like you want to take several hours of your time, if not the entire, what, I think eight hours that it's open, just take your time and go through it. Cause there's so much information to really take in and admire. And on top of that, even though it's closed right now for the, uh, the virus uh, pandemic, the, when it, when it's open, there's a secondary exhibition away from the main galleries. And I think the one coming up is a world war II exhibition. The, the one we just had was a Mickey mouse exhibition. And it's really incredible if you love history. Um, and there's great, great stuff about the parks too. And I think that's probably most people's favorite part of the museum. Mm. I'm in. I know. I would love that. I feel like we, when we go to museums, we're definitely not the type to read everything, but that is the one museum where we would, like you said, have to actually take the time to read everything. Well, and you don't have to read everything either because there's a lot of uh, video elements there. You, you can watch things too. You don't have to just read words the whole time. And it's really great in that way. 
Good. You don't like reading, Catherine. Oh, my goodness. You struggle <laughs> reading, right? Hush. So the next question would be, what is your favorite Disney resort? And it doesn't necessarily have to be one that you've stayed at. I think for me, you know, we went to Ohana the last time we went to Disney World. And I just really think the Polynesian is great. I mean, I've ne- we have not stayed there. Uh, but the Polynesian is a really, that aesthetic really speaks to me at least. And we had a great time just before our reservation walking around that hotel. And then we, we actually, right after our reservation took the boat over to Magic Kingdom and man, I'd love to do that. Uh, I would just love to stay there and be able to do that. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, my favorite would be the Disneyland hotel, but I think, I don't know, it's, it's, I love history and then Disney history is especially interesting to me. And that it, it just feels like I'm stepping back in time a little bit because there's a lot of history in, in the name, the Disneyland hotel, but also those, those towers. Uh, so to me, that would, that's my answer. It's pretty simple. I'm sad. We didn't even walk into the lobby of the Disneyland hotel when we were there. Oh, it's, it's we really great. Thinking. We were probably just thinking we wanted to get through all the bag check lines to go to the parks. We only had three days. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because we stayed at Paradise Pier. So it was like you have to take a left to go into Disneyland Hotel. And we always took a right. Well, uh, my my girlfriend and I actually went down to Disneyland a few months ago. And we we drove down. I We left at midnight or shortly before because we only had a couple days to go and we knew we weren't going to be go be able to go for a while and little little did we know how true that was but we uh we knew we weren't gonna be able to go for like three months which is a long time for us and so we drove down there at midnight got there at six and they hadn't quite opened security yet so we went and sat in the disneyland hotel lobby and they have little like teacup chairs in there that are shaped like you know the teacups from Fantasyland. and we fell asleep <laughs> for like 30 minutes it was great <laughs> It would be a good napping spot for sure. Next one would be if you could only fast pass one ride for the rest of your life, which one would it be? This is interesting because it's not it's not exactly what your favorite ride is. Because for me, my favorite ride is is Splash Mountain, but the way I go on that ride, I don't need to fast pass it. We usually go in the morning or at night, which nobody wants to ride it then. Uh, so it's not really that. It's for me, it would be mission breakout the guardians of the galaxy ride that we have at disneyland california adventure um and the reason for that is i i don't know if i've ever ridden that ride or at least not in recent years without a fast pass and then the other aspect of it is during halloween time they do monsters after dark which is a it's basically a a ride overlay for halloween with a different soundtrack a different visual and you have to have a fast pass for that uh you know the second that that those become available during the day when they're available in October, I get on max pass and immediately make that, make that switch or make that a, that selection. So I think that's the ride that I fast pass the most. And the one that I need to ride every trip. And I I played with that idea as well, but I only, I had written down like with a question mark, uh, you know, monsters after dark thinking that was the only available option. Um, when thinking about these kinds of questions, but uh, I might choose Radiator Springs Racers. And if I'm Robert, I'm thinking, well, you could just take the single rider line and you can get on relatively quickly. However, uh, that is no longer really the case. The single rider line is is getting longer. I don't know if you've noticed that, but uh, 
And it's a really a fun ride. And I'm never going to wait in the standby line for that ride. It's always very, very long. Well, yeah. And if you do single rider, you can't ride with your group. And now that my daughter's of age to ride it, uh, or of height, I should say, I, I can't really justify uh, doing single rider <laughs> or waiting in the standby line. So that makes it tough. Yeah, I don't know. There was something, what was it about Fast Pass for Radio Springs Racers? Oh, the the merge point was Yeah, we super, thought it was really early. Yeah. But I think we also had a guy who was really struggling to balance out the lines. Yeah. It can get like that. It's in sort of a weird bottleneck area. It, the whole thing, it, it, and there's three different lines. There's standby, there's fast pass, there's single rider, and people are confused. It, it gets, yeah, it gets to be a weird situation. Yeah. But I think those are both good choices. Yeah, very good choices. Sure. So which ride do you think is due for an exit or a refurbishment from the parks? So I, I played with a few different things on this, some obvious uh, ones, but the one that I keep thinking about and I think about all the time is every once in a while they'll change Soren over California or they'll change back to Soren over California in DCA. And I just wish they'd keep it that way. I wish they like, they're like, oh, for two months only, we're going to change it back to, you know, Soren over California. Just keep it. The, the name of the park is still California Adventure. And to me, um, it's just the better version. Unless you get a really good seat on, you have to get like the perfect seat on Soren over the world. There can be some warping and, and just the way they did the video was different. And I just have a lot of nostalgia myself for Soren over California. So if I can have them you know, sort of refurbish or change one thing, it would probably be change that ride permanently back to Soren over California. That's a pretty good pick, buddy. <laughs> but uh, I'm going to go over to, you know, Animal Kingdom. And I'm going to say Dinosaur either should be taken out or refurbished. And I hope I'm not offending anybody currently on this podcast. But it just didn't do anything for me when we went on it. Robert, I don't know what you think about it. It's fun. But I, I mean, I guess there may be a refurbishment to make some of the animatronics a little bit better. I don't know. So would you want to refurbish that entire Dino Land area or do you want to keep Dino Land and just change that ride? It is pretty carnival-y, you know, it feels like a carnival when you're going over there. So I might want to refurbish that whole area, actually. Make it South know. America themed and give us Indiana Jones. Hey, that's a pretty good idea. If you could do that, that'd be great. Although we are a big fan of having just in general rides that are unique to their park. So, I mean, we love having Indiana Jones and Disneyland and we love that Disney world has things that we don't have here. So that's one, that's one issue with that. I can say a lot of times when we ride dinosaur, I feel like our motivation behind it is a, we want to see Dr. Seeker in the pre-show video. And B, it's almost just like comical. The pictures that come out and writing it with people who've never wrote it before. Oh, yeah. It's never like, man, I'm really dying to be jostled around yeah. that dinosaur. <laughs> it is yeah. terrible. It's also it's not kind of scary for children. I mean, my, my daughter's actually, I was really impressed with her this last trip. But I could see, you know, a child that's not as into that sort of thing or or that maybe is easily spooked uh it being a tough ride for them yeah and something we've been talking about a lot recently on some of our storytelling episodes is source material that probably has some of the weakest source material because i would imagine there is nobody 
uh, under the age <laughs> of 18 who has seen Dinosaur. And it might be even older than that. Yeah. Yeah, I haven't seen it in ages. It's been a long time. Yeah. Maybe Disney Plus will change that. You know, yeah. Kids have a lot of time on their hands right now. I watched Black Cauldron yesterday, and it was something I never was able to watch, and I finally got to see it. I don't think I've ever seen it. No, You're not missing either. anything. <laughs> <laughs> um, so next one is what land or area brings you the most inspiration? I'll go, I'll go on this site. Uh, last time we went to Disney World, when we walked through the World Showcase, my mind was even more so than the first time we went. I don't know if it's because my daughter was with me or what, but my mind was opened in a way that I don't know has happened in a Disney park since maybe like the first time I walked down main street alone, like with my, without my parents, it, it had that sort of feel for me where when I was a kid and I went with my friends for the first time and we got through the gates and went down main street, just me and, you know, Thomas and a couple other than my friends, that was a sort of mind expanding experience for me. And that's the same feeling I got the last time we went to the world showcase just every turn we took and we didn't even go everywhere, unfortunately, but my mind was just absolutely, it, it, it felt like I was expanding, like in my mind, it was so great. Maybe, maybe you could help me, you guys, uh, with defining inspiration in this one. Cause I, I have some ideas, but I want to know exactly which, which land to pick. Uh, I mean, I guess, Hmm. We've never been asked that question. That is a great question. <laughs> um, For me, it's kind of what Robert just talked about, like places that expand your imagination. Or for me, it's like finding moments of clarity or somewhere that I could just sit and people watch. Hmm. Those okay. are the areas that I'm drawn to. Well, that's, uh, so then for me, that's either Main Street or Fantasyland in Disneyland. I really love Main Street. It's probably my favorite. I don't know. It's like a classic... Um, it's a classic land. I don't, I don't think you could ever get rid of it really. Oh, well, no, you can even alter it. That's right. It's, it's, and then for me, it's, I don't know. It just speaks to me and yeah, it sparks my imagination. I could sit there and people watch for sure. And I've done it plenty of times. Yeah. That's my answer. Main street in Disneyland, California. It's a good one. Yeah. Thinking about food. Our first one is what is your favorite snack or your go-to snack? Go ahead, Thomas. I, I'm going to let you take this. Okay. So a few things come to mind on our podcast. I've spoken about this peanut butter and jelly donut that is, has been available the past two years in uh, DCA during the Halloween season. And that is certainly fa- my favorite, but I don't know that you could call it a snack, Robert, you know, you know how big it is. Well, I, just to give you an idea, Anytime I recommend this to somebody that isn't Thomas, they come back and they think I'm a monster. They're like, well, did you, (laughs) did you, who did you share this with? I'm like, uh, nobody. And they're like, oh, okay. Well, I shared it with my husband or my wife and we had to throw like a third of it away. (laughs) So it's enormous and it's great. But Thomas and I have a different type of eating habits when we're in the park than a lot of people do. So, okay. I'm not going to pick that one. I am going to say, uh, Toffee, uh, either the squares or the, they have like these stick things or toffee covered pretzels. I really love the toffee, having toffee at Disneyland. For me, it's, 
it would probably be the toffee, but I, I will say the giant Mickey cookie, the one where the ears are sort of dipped in chocolate and they're, they're huge that those cookies are. We've eaten many of those cookies. <laughs> they're great. I'll never forget when your sister did her first Disney college program and we, we flew down there to drive her back because she can't be trusted to drive herself. <laughs> and we're like pulling away from property and she's crying and just like stuffing her face with that. Yeah, with she the brought like a bunch of those cookies to that. Yeah, there's something on the way home. <laughs> there's something about the those cookies. They're great. Hey, Robert, what about the uh, beignets from the Jazz Kitchen? Yeah, those are pretty great too. I was taking this to mean inside the parks, but the beignets are, are if you guys haven't tried those in downtown Disney, um, those are something special too. So you prefer those over the ones in New Orleans Square? So there's the quick service ones uh, that are in New Orleans Square. Those are those are nothing compared to the ones in Jazz Kitchen in downtown Disney. Now, if you go to Cafe Orleans, you can get some comparable beignets that are Mickey-shaped as a dessert item. If you're going to eat beignets inside the park, they should be at the sit-down restaurant Cafe Orleans. So can you be our go-to person for the ultimate beignet rankings. Have you had the ones in Disney World at Port Orleans? No, we have not visited Port Orleans, unfortunately. I wish. Maybe next time. I probably wouldn't compare, though. I don't. I From what I have heard, I don't think they compare. Yeah. But I'm always interested. It's, it's hard to find someone who's had them from all of the different locations. I'm going to take that challenge on the next time we go to Disney World. <laughs> You're going in December, well, yes? I think I'm going in December. Yeah. Some things, if things work out correctly, I'll try them then. Okay. Well, get them. Then go see our friend Yeehaw Bob at Port Orleans Riverside. Best night of your life. He's the best. <laughs> Will do. I'm marking it down. <laughs> um, so sticking with food, what is your favorite table service and favorite quick service restaurants? Recently, uh, I've really grown to love Lamplight Lounge and California Adventure. They have brunch now, and that sort of rounded it out for me. They have a great atmosphere. There's a bunch of Pixar movie posters from different countries. It's a Pixar theme uh, is the idea. It's on Pixar Pier, just at the entrance of Pixar Pier. And they have really good food. And you can also sit right on the water, which I've done a couple times. But the thing that put it over the top is now they offer brunch, and it's a great breakfast too. So for me, that is the spot. And for my my table service, I'd pick Carnation Cafe on Main Street in Disneyland in uh, California. That to me is a fantastic restaurant because yes, I love Main Street, but also you have two completely different experiences, whether you sit outdoors or indoors. And people often describe Disneyland as it's got like an intimate feeling because everything's a little bit closer together. It's a smaller, everything's jam-packed into a smaller space. And I think that eating at Carnation Cafe on Main Street is also an intimate experience, especially if you're out if you're outdoors, because you can also people watch. You can hear parades go by. The food is good, and also inside you have this completely. I don't know what you'd call it, Robert. Do you do you know what the decor is? Maybe it's Victorian, but it's this dark, maybe maroon color on the wall, and you have pictures where there are sketches of the parks. And it's uh, it's really great. And so that, that's going to be my table service pick. So what meal? I know the it's it's known for breakfast. Is that what meal you would prefer to have there? Or would you do lunch and dinner as well? At Carnation Cafe? 
Yeah. You know, I don't think we've had breakfast there one time. It's usually been dinner. And the only thing I can remember about the menu for dinner is the, it's always there is the fried pickles. They're famous for that as well. And, uh, but in the past we've gotten this fried bologna sandwich, uh, that came out first for Pixar Fest, I think. And then after that for, what was the most recent one, Robert? Was it Halloween? I think it was Halloween. Yeah. It's, it's like a specialty item, but even if you think that that sounds not good, it it's better than you would think. At least we really liked it. What about quick service? I went with the little red wagon, uh, which is, it's kind of a cart, <laughs> but it's, I mean, it's still, I think quick service. The, for those who don't know, it has corn dogs, but those are the best corn dogs on property. And I really enjoy corn dogs. The last time I got one, the sort of the outside casing of the, you know, the corn dog basically covered the entire stick. I have like, I had like a quarter of an inch to grab the stick. There was just so much of the, of the corn outer casing. It was great. And, uh, that, that's some place that I have to go every single time I go to Disneyland. Now, do you guys have any sort of qualifiers for favorite quick service, like best food or best environment, or is it the whole package you're, you're thinking about? Probably the whole package. Yeah. Okay. Well, I do like Rancho del Zocalo in Frontierland. To, to me, there's not a lot of Mexican food on, on property over in Disneyland Resort. There is some some of it over in what is it, the, the Pacific Wharf area by, by Cars Land. But even that, that food isn't very good, and there's certainly no theming to the restaurant at all. But at this place, Rancho del Zocalo, it's right up next to uh, Big Thunder Mountain. And I, I like to get a seat that is adjacent to where the train is coming back into, uh, I guess, into the, the loading zone. And so it's great to have the the sort of ambiance of the, the train and the people enjoying the ride right next to you. You're in this uh, Spanish architecture themed, like, like a mission, you know, and, uh, that's the restaurant and it's the food is really good. It's always been good. And they have specialty items during the holidays and those are good as well. I think Rancho del Zocalo might be my favorite quick service. One of our biggest regrets on our trip to Disneyland, it was on our list. We were going to go for it for dinner. We waited too long and it closed because it was party night last year, Mickey's Halloween party. So it closed and we had to just go to some walk-up counter. I don't, yeah, I don't even know what we ate, honestly. I think I had like fish and chips and you had chicken fingers. <laughs> Sounds like you went to that place. It's just across there. What is it called? It's kind of by the Golden Horseshoe. I can't remember the exact. The Stage Door Cafe? Stage Door Cafe. That's what that's what it sounds like, but who knows? I think it was, and I'll never forget, since it was a party night, um, we saw Peter and Wendy and they were actually Disneyland characters, but we had a disagreement. You thought that they were guests who were just dressed up so magnificently <laughs> that they had confused us. Yes. Well, I didn't see a character attendant. And I know that's the thing about Disneyland that makes, you know, Disneyland, Disneyland. But the other thing was that everybody's costumes were on point. <laughs> there were probably many people that we couldn't differentiate between the real deal and just the average person in a character costume. So I would have been more mortified of like going up to someone who wasn't a character than going to talk to them. It wasn't worth the risk. Yeah. You got to be careful on those party nights at Disneyland because people get really into it. And we're, we're, we're the same way when we go down for the parties. 
Well, we saw, Crazy. who did we see? We saw Ariel and Prince Eric, but they were just guests. Remember that? Yeah. And they wouldn't let us take pictures of them because they didn't want to get in trouble for being too close to the real thing. Uh, uh, see, like Wendy, I could see going either way. Like there's a lot of ladies who can pull off a Wendy. Peter is very difficult to pull off. Yeah. It's, just, like. it's a particular type of, of person, like just yeah. body type and everything. So that's what gave it away for me that this was an actual <laughs> real character. Um, but yeah, we'll have to go to Rancho del Zocalo. That's the whole point of this next time. Yes. We go. Next one would some of your Disney favorites. What is your favorite Disney movie? I know that's quite the complex question. Yeah. Well, it's funny because the podcast has sort of helped clarify this for me. For the longest time, it was Lion King, but recently we did. Beauty and the Beast have been getting really close to it for a long time, the the animated version. And we recently did a an episode of Beauty and the Beast and we did sort of a deep dive on it and, you know, did a lot of research. And that rounded out my love for that movie, just the characters, the music, everything about it. It's so well balanced. And uh, that is my favorite Disney movie. And luckily it's well represented in, in Magic Kingdom in Florida. Yes. yes. Okay, my favorite movie is, and this is easy for me actually, and it always has been my favorite, my personal favorite. I would never say it's the best movie that Disney ever made, but The Sword in the Stone is my favorite. I just love Merlin. I think he's hilarious. And then Archimedes the Owl, there's a lot about it that I just find charming and really funny. Have you seen, we haven't seen it in person, of course, but have you seen the clips of Merlin in the Magic Happens Parade? Yes. And at oh first I'd only God. seen, I'd only seen a picture of it. And I thought that looks kind of lame because this costume was okay. But then I saw a video and I was very impressed with what they did. It was, yeah, so I, I hope that things come back to normal here and then we can get back to the parks and, and see these things up close. That guy's got to do double time is like a character performer yeah, in some sort of play as well. Cause he was killing it. <laughs> The next one, another Disney favorite, but what is your favorite Disney quote? I I was kind of searching through quotes because there's so many. Um, and I think one that speaks to me in, in a certain way, and I'll explain why, is uh, Jack Sparrow says, the problem is not the problem. It's your attitude about the problem. And I tend to be a very neurotic person. And when something goes goes wrong or even if slightly and anyone who knows me well can speak to this i just jump to the worst possible conclusion of where this is going to go and um i think that that's a good quote for me to to keep in mind is is your attitude about a problem can uh it, it can be positive or it could be negative but it, having a positive outlook is better that's a good that's, one yeah it is that's good uh well mine is i have two that i could pick from uh, one is more recent, and I guess I'll mention it, and then I want to say the other one. But one is that Robert and I noticed in Sleeping Beauty, after you know everything sort of came. Well, Robert, maybe you can explain the situation a little bit better. <laughs> Beauty or Sleeping Beauty, they're dancing in the forest. You know, when they he, she meets the prince for the first time, and then they dance for what appears to be a long time, and they develop a lot of chemistry very quickly. You know, that's sort of standard. And, uh, and then they're overlooking this sort of beautiful landscape, the castles in the distance. She puts her head on his shoulder and he just says, who are you? <laughs> <laughs> and we just thought that was so funny that he, I mean, it kind of embodies what people say about like, at least in the early years, uh, Disney princes and how they don't 
do much and they just kind of show up at the end and it sort of embodied that and it's one of those last movies where that's the case where the princes are sort of like an ancillary character that saves the day at the end um and that sort of embodied that in that moment and it's so it was so when we watched it recently we just looked at each other and laughed yeah that's great i never caught that no <laughs> And my other favorites from Emperor's New Groove, and I think Robert could have guessed that I would have went with this one. And it's when they're when Kronk and Yzma are at the at Pacha's family's house, and they're what are they? They're like they're in they're trapped in some they're in some, a closet. Yes, and the kids are like talking to Yzma, and then eventually just open the door, and as Yzma's like charging, and then she rolls down the hill. That scene. Uh, but before that, she orders Kronk to break down the door. And he says, break it down. Are you, are you kidding me? This is hand-carved mahogany. And, and that that is Kronk to me. And I just love it every time I hear it. <laughs> that is a good one. We've got to watch that movie again. Yeah. No, those are solid. Good choices. Uh, so very last question of the Fast Pass round is your favorite Disney parks memory. Go ahead, Thomas. Well, mine happened, I think, last year, twenty maybe 2018, actually. Yes, 2018 at ho- and during Halloween time at uh, Disneyland. And typically, and you mentioned it earlier, there is at least one party during your trip during that time. Now, we went for a week, so we had one party scheduled towards the end of that trip. I think it might have been a Friday, but on the, like the Tuesday of our trip, we, had to, we were heading back to the hotel going through the Grand Californian. And there was a party going on, so people were in their costumes. But I saw these these three, a dad and two sons, going through the lobby. Now, the dad was dressed as Forrest Gump, and his two sons were in these shrimp costumes. And the dad was just jogging, you know, when this, you know, Forrest Gump, when he's running across America and he's just very slowly jogging and the two shrimp are, you know, just chugging along behind him. And that was, that was great on its own. But then the piano player in the lobby starts playing the, the theme song from Forrest Gump. And I listen to a lot of soundtrack music, so I recognize it immediately. But I love those kinds of things that happen at Disney where there's just sort of everyone's playing together and it's it's a lot of fun. That is awesome. And that was a great one. Uh, mine is, <laughs> that was really, really funny when that happened, actually. I had forgotten about that. But, but mine is, uh, my family and I used to go to Disneyland together. We don't go like my immediate family as much. And my dad, this story is a lot funnier if you know my dad, but it'll be funny anyway. We the way my dad is, he's kind of a curmudgeon and he likes to act like he doesn't like Disney, but he does. And I can tell by the way he acts when he's there, but he just has this sort of disdain for Haunted Mansion for some reason, because he, he likes to get his, what he, what he calls get his money, get his money's worth, uh, when he's there. So he wants to go on like the thrill rides, but we got him on Haunted Mansion. He's kind of, you know, being himself and he leans up against a wall and this is before we go into the stretching room. We're all kind of together. You know, they, they take you from the queue into the waiting area before you go into the stretching room in Disneyland. And he's leaned up against a wall and then he steps away from the wall and, you know, they're telling us to fill in all available space and all that. The wall behind them opens up to the stretching room and me and my sister start kind of pushing him. Hey, you know, let's go. And he thought we were telling him to fill in all the space, 
So he goes to lean up against the wall that is no longer there. And he stumbles backwards about 15 to 20 feet while everyone's watching and then falls on his back in the middle of this room. And there's just this deafening echo that goes throughout the uh, goes throughout the the elevator, you know, the stretching room. And everyone just is silent for like three seconds. And then we all just move forward. And, you know, my family is very different. We did not check if he was OK. We were laughing hysterically and then asked him what happened. And he says, I thought I was falling down an empty elevator shaft. And. <laughs> That was it. And we laughed for like 20 minutes after that. We didn't even, we didn't even experience the ride. We had to go on it again because we were laughing so hard. And the reason we were laughing so hard is because if that had happened to any one of us, my dad would never have let us forget it. And I have not let him forget it. (laughs) (laughs) That's solid. That is so funny. If I would be scared if that happened to me because I probably would not say very many family-friendly words. <laughs> They'd ask me to leave. It's shocking that my dad managed to keep his. Comp- I think he was he he got up immediately like a you know like a wounded deer. He he like just jumped up and it was like okay uh, you know uh, I'm fine and he I don't think he wanted to draw a lot of attention to himself. <laughs> That's good. Those are two. I, know, I like that both of those are so funny. Yeah. Yeah, that's what we like. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So last question that we have to ask you and we ask all of our guests is if you have one piece of parting guidance that you can give to someone who they want to jump into this community, either as a content creator, or maybe they want to open up a shop, whatever it might be, what would be your advice to that person? I think for me, uh, it's be honest with yourself and be honest with the consumers of your content. You know, one thing that's really important to me uh, when I'm planning a Disney trip and I'm like listening to podcasts with that in mind is there's people I know I can trust about their opinions. And especially when it comes to Disney World, there's so much to do and I'm it's so alien to me and there's so many options that I want to make sure I'm doing things that are quality. And there's just people that I that I can trust to the the opinion they're giving me is their opinion. And I think that it's important that the consumers of your content associate that with you. Um, that's something we always have tried to do on our show is be honest about how we feel about things and, uh, and let people sort of decide from there, but also being honest with yourself and making sure that you are, uh, doing all the things that are right for you. Like we said earlier, not overextending yourself. That's really good. Uh, I would say, on top of that, which all of that I agree with, uh, yes, be ambitious and courageous in what you do. You can you can take risks in what you're doing, yeah, the content specifically, or you know, branching out. Just you know, take a chance. It's okay to fail if it fails, and uh, be humble and willing to adapt and grow because uh, you're not going to get it right the very first time, and it may take a little while to settle into a groove where you know exactly what you're doing and. I mean, you can just take that from anything you've, you've learned in life and gotten good at. You, you weren't good at the beginning, but you, you learned and you got better. So you just have to be patient and humble at the same time, courageous and, and try new things. I love both of those. And I think there's kind of a common thread between there of finding your voice and embracing your voice as well. Kind of hit to both of those points that. A lot of times you don't know what medium you're going to like the most and what's going to really drive that passion out of you. Once you find it, being able to push yourself and be more of yourself, I think 
many content creators have to go through that process of you're kind of just showing little parts of you along the way, but the quicker that you can get to embracing your opinions and your feelings and in your voice, I think the better it works out. So I think that is excellent advice that both of you gave. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's been a journey for us, but we want to make sure that we are, we do things that we like and we think that if, if we're honest and we do things that we enjoy, then other people will enjoy that too. And the people that enjoy it will be people that we can keep listening because, you know, you can only pretend to be something you're not for so long. For sure. That's very true. Yeah. Well, good deal. This has been so much fun chatting with you guys today. Last thing, if you can remind our listeners where they can connect with you online. Okay, let's see. So we have our Facebook page. That's just uh, the Talking Llamas podcast. You can find us there. Uh, we're both on Inst- uh, We're both on Facebook as well. So if you want to f- follow our Facebook or, or whatever, it's Talking Llamas podcast. Uh, we are at Talking Llamas podcast on Instagram. I am at the Disney dad, that's D-A, Disney dad. And then we've been recently trying to get emails in. It's been tough, but uh, you guys can email us at talkinglamaspod at gmail.com. We want to get email questions that we can answer like once an episode or, or something like that. And or, or every once in a while, even having email shows. Recently, we've resorted to making up our own questions and pretending they're listener emails, but it's just, and we, it's tongue in cheek. We're, we're not hiding the fact that it's us, but we're also pretending like we don't know. So that's been fun, but we would like to get some real emails. Um, and then obviously just subscribe to the podcast on Apple, uh, podcast or follow on Spotify. It's just the talking llamas podcast. And if you guys like it, go ahead and rate and review. Good deal. So of course we will put the links to all of those different areas that you can connect with Robert and Thomas down in the show notes below. Highly recommend checking out their podcast. Highly recommend checking them out on social media as well. I like the mix between the classic vintage photos of Walt and things in the parks to get that history, but we also get to know you guys a little bit better too. So thank you guys so much for joining us. We'd had such a blast chatting with you today. And we appreciate it. This was fun. Yeah, thanks, guys. We had a lot of fun. Thanks so much. Thank you for listening to Detour to Neverland. Subscribe to the show and leave a review to help more people find us. Follow us on Instagram at Detour to Neverland underscore podcast to see our pictures from the parks. See you real soon.